Welcome to Setsing. Can you please talk about grief and loss? Yeah. So the human condition is such that we lose everything uh, that we gain, including our lives, ultimately. Anything that's been born is going to die. Anything that is built is going to decay and fall down. This is existence we live in. And this is the impermanence of life. Uh, when we experience the loss of something, quite often we're experiencing the loss of a future dream with that something. So if somebody dies uh, who's close to us and we experience uh, grief over that, uh, quite often we're not going to ever be able to see them again. We're not going to be able to do things with them again. And we grieve the loss of that future dream that we have with them. And it brings sadness. Then we move into the grief cycle and the answer to eventually getting out of uh, the feelings of grief is acceptance. But quite often people get caught in uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and they miss the, the acceptance button. And the acceptance uh, is where we find freedom from everything. But it's hard to accept because it's not part of our programming. We're programmed to resist life. We're programmed to go against life in a lot of ways to survive. And so acceptance isn't part of our repertoire. It takes a bit of practice to learn. So grief occurs to all human beings as a result of loss. The more uh, in the moment you are, the more present you are to reality, the less grief there is because quite often grief is attached to a story of loss. And stories, even though they seem real, aren't actually real. They're uh, our imagination, remembering things and projecting things. And so mindfulness of what's real has the ability to uh, take us out of grief, out of that sense of loss, just being present to what is real. Or we can dwell on it and run stories over and over and over in our minds about what we've lost and inevitably uh, suffer quite a bit with the resistance to what we're feeling. But some people, I have repressed a lot of grief. And so when something happens that is uh, a loss and they, they feel that loss, on top of that loss, there's all these other feelings that have been repressed, these feelings of grief. And so it can be quite overwhelming, the amount of uh, pain that comes up because of re repression as well as the, the current loss. But if we're willing to feel what's there, if we're willing to be with what's there without trying to find a way to really avoid it, uh, that repressed emotionality, that those repressed feelings that we've been holding inside ourselves can start to heal themselves. And they heal by us feeling them rather than trying to repress them again.
most of you will have heard of the uh, pain bodies that people carry, repressed emotionality that people carry. And these repressed emotional bodies or pain bodies would not be there if we were actually willing to be okay with the pain in the first place. But because we've repressed it, it's all there and it comes up and it can be overwhelming when it comes up. Even if it's only a small loss, we wonder why we're being so uh, triggered, why it's affecting us so much, probably because it's tied into a whole pile of repressed emotionality from earlier years. So grief is something that all human beings incur and it is one of the things that can, if we want, teach us surrender and teach us acceptance. It's a painful way to learn, but it's something that we all go through reasonably on a regular basis because we lose things a lot. It's not just humans in our life we, we lose. We, we lose uh, money, we lose jobs, we lose our health, we lose even just having an accident, we lose, <laughs> we, we, we have a loss. So there's a lot of loss in, in the life. And, and we, as humans, we all want everything to be, you know, calm and peaceful and safe. But that's actually not really the world we live in. The world we live in is not safe, even though we try to make it safe. If we can be okay with the turbulence of the world, with the chaos of the world, we can actually have a relatively peaceful life. And the same goes with grief when it comes. If we can be okay with it, and when I say okay, I'm actually meaning to warmly welcome it, like you would a friend, instead of rejecting it, instead of trying to push it away. To warmly welcome it, we can start to heal whatever's there by feeling it. And in warm welcoming, we're actually accepting what is, which is the doorway out of grief. There isn't really another doorway. So through life, we have these opportunities to learn and practice acceptance. Once we accept something totally, the story is over, the drama is over. It's only in our non-acceptance of what is that the story or the drama continues. And so in that way, we're responsible for our reality because we're creating it with the way we think. And this is brilliant, if you, if you like, because we get to a chance to not suffer. We don't have to be a victim of whatever. We can not suffer. As long as we can just accept what is, just accept life as it is, Life is pretty cool. Even through the losses, it's pretty cool. If we can learn to stay more present to reality, life is also pretty cool. Because when we go into our minds and start living in the dreams and the stories, quite often they're problematic. That's not happiness. <laughs> That's the opposite. So being present to reality and less present to your dreaming your thinking is an optimal way to live in this uh, world because it gives us a quality of life that is way better than living in our minds. 
So being mindful of what's real and being in acceptance that life is the way life is, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, in acceptance of the losses, we can have a beautiful life. Or we can take ourselves to hell quite easily by just entertaining the stories, feeling the pain over and over again because we run the story over and over again. And we don't need to do that. We can be in acceptance of life. That doesn't mean that we're not going to feel the pain of loss, but it means we're not resisting it. And it's the resistance that equals suffering, not actually the pain. The pain is painful enough, but it's our resistance that creates the suffering. In acceptance, that all flattens out. It's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. So, are there any questions? Any statements? Any challenges to this teaching today? We have a question. Does grief only exist for me because I think that I have a past and a future? No. If you're living as an ego, you're living as something that's not real in the first place. You take away your imagination and you don't exist. <laughs> you talk about living in the past and the future. That's where the ego lives. The ego is not real. It's a, it's a projection. Take away your imagination and you don't exist. And so does grief only exist for you because you think you have a past and a future? You live as a dream. Take away the dream and see what happens. That's what higher consciousness is all about, going beyond the mind. And beyond the mind, beingness as self. Freedom from the dream. What would be the most helpful to recover from a great loss? Acceptance of the situation is the most helpful thing that you can possibly do for you if there is a great loss. Any form of resistance to what is whatsoever creates more suffering. But acceptance is difficult because you're not programmed for it, but it is the right answer. And if you've practiced acceptance in your life, you will be relatively okay and good with it. But if you haven't practiced it, you're not going to be good at it. And most people don't practice acceptance. They practice some kind of deal. I accept if. Well, that's not true acceptance. That's a business deal. True acceptance is a little bit like surrender. It's an end of something. It's everything's over. But that's the best and only answer I know. Acceptance is the best way to recover from any loss. The next question is, why do some people seem to recover much quicker than others from a major loss? I don't really know. <laughs> I would have to be them to know that. 
I know what I know because of my own direct experience and I'm willing to talk about my own direct experience, but I don't know what other people go through really. It's their, that's their experience. That's their knowing. Um, I think we, we like to think we know, but I prefer to not know. Not that I don't want to know. It's just that I prefer honesty. The truth is I don't know. The next question is, I know that you lost your son when he was just 20. Would you mind sharing your experience in dealing with this tra tragedy within yourself? Yeah, okay. That was about three years ago. He died from uh, bone cancer and the complications to that. He died 18 months after he was diagnosed and it was hard the diagnosis in the first place was hard because uh, I had actually worked in a cancer clinic and as a naturopath and I, I knew what that meant. I knew what it meant to have bone cancer. And so I felt straight away that there was going to be a big loss and it hurt, but I then became there for him because it was a bigger loss for him. And so I started uh, facilitating whatever he needed, whatever he wanted. He chose at some point to go for alternative healing rather than conventional healing. Uh, he had originally had uh, chemotherapy but didn't like it and decided he wanted to uh, try some other things around the world, um, in Japan, in the Philippines. And so I organized those things that he could do. But the whole time that this was going on, there was something inside of me that knew that he wasn't actually going to make it. But I was there for him. So the story of uh, me, the story of Vishrant wasn't really there. It was just, let's make it work for this young man. See if we can't do whatever it takes to facilitate what he needs. Now, earlier I spoke about acceptance. Well, I'm very practiced at acceptance. And so even though being very practiced at acceptance, I still felt the pain of his loss such a young person uh, going to die so young with so much potential he was such a bright young man but that was his fate and eventually uh, he succumbed towards the end uh, he, he got given some insurance money from uh, some insurance company and he wanted to buy a sports car. So we went out and bought him a sports car, but he was actually too sick to drive it. And so not long after that, we had to sell it because he had died. But everything was done to facilitate him because he was the one that was really suffering. He was the one that was really losing. And I held him in my heart as I do today. A beautiful young man, 
But this is life. This is what we all are going to inevitably have happen to us and probably our friends and probably some of our family. We are all terminal. And if you can accept it on the way, it will hurt, but it's nowhere near as bad because you're not suffering, because you're not living in some dream of denial or bargaining. You're actually in acceptance of the truth. And one of the saddest things that I saw wasn't so much... Uh, him at the time when he was trying to get through it was watching his mother who was really, really going through it. She was really grieving the loss and inconsolable grief. But once again, there needed to be an acceptance. Well, that was her and that's what she was doing. And that was okay. And yeah, it was sad. And to this day, she still grieves a great deal over the loss of her son. So that when people die who are close to you, it's not just them that lose. Lots of people lose. But this is the world we live in. This is life. And we're all going to have to face it sooner or later, one way or another. We all die. We're all temporary citizens. To get through it, practice acceptance. It works. It's just difficult, that's all. But it works. The following question is from a viewer. Is acceptance also the way forward with past demons? I do not know what you mean by past demons. I would have to have some clarification on that question. The next question is, why is it that we feel we need to have closure with grief? What is closure anyway? Closure with grief is actually the acceptance of the loss. When we, are full, when we move to full acceptance of anything, there is closure until we move to full acceptance while we're still holding on to any story whatsoever we have not met closure yet and so full closure relates to full acceptance of whatever the situation is the loss and it's a little difficult for us but it's absolutely possible as long as we tell ourselves sad stories we have not got closure not such a good idea. When you say run the story, do you mean thinking about the events of the loss, thinking about the future dream, or thinking about past memories? Yeah, all of those, Every, all of those things, all together. So uh, right now, without a thought, you are here or you can bring a story into the room. You may be able to remember something you've lost and you can go into that story and you can start to feel the loss. You may even start to feel pain as a result of that thought process, but you don't need to. 
You don't need to go into the story. You don't need to go into the past. You don't need to go there. We can be here. We can be present to reality. And that's the, that's the beauty of uh, meditation and mindfulness training. It brings you back to the present. The same present we had when we were up about four years old. We were very present. And then we went to school and lost it all, learned to live in our heads. Gaining present moment awareness again sets us up for a much more beautiful life. Because most of our dreams are problematic. The next question is, is there a danger in reframing things to make yourself feel better? Like this isn't so sad because others have it worse or it could be worse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't do that. That's a coping mechanism. That's not acceptance. Um, coping mechanisms and silver linings that people put on things basically have to keep happening. You have to keep using the coping mechanism with acceptance. It's over with acceptance. It's finished. With silver linings, you just have to keep telling yourself the lies. The next question is, whenever I'm in the presence of a loved one who's experiencing sadness, I don't really know what to do or say to help them feel their pain. What should I do in such situations to help them? Sometimes you just be with them, you know? Sometimes you just have to be with them. Sometimes there's nothing to say. You just be there with them. Sometimes they might want to talk and you listen. Sometimes you talking is in the way. It's better to be just there for them. Everyone's going to suffer loss. You just be a friend. You just be there for them. How do I help a small child deal with the grief of a dying pet in a healthy way, which is healing rather than adding to the pain? Well, from, from my perspective, I taught my own children about impermanence because this silly belief that we're going to be safe all the time and later is just that, a silly belief. The truth is everything is going to die and that once we know the impermanence of life, we don't postpone. We actually squeeze the juice out of life because we know we only have so much time here. We have only so many moments before our time is up. And so with my own children, I taught them about the impermanence of life. I showed them death. I showed them the animals that had died. I didn't hide anything from them. I, it, I talked about nature because this is the nature of things. We, things are born and they die. They live a while and they die. This is reality. And so in dealing with young people, uh, with death, the subject of death, I think honesty is the best approach. This is actually what happens. This is real. Trying to hide it from them, I think, is a mistake. Everything is impermanent. And here's the thing. When it comes to higher consciousness, 
what we're looking for is that that doesn't die, that that was never born, that that is beingness, that that is your own true nature. And so in introducing even young people to death and the reality of it, from my perspective, there's also something more. We are that. We are pure beingness. We have always been beingness. We cannot be anything other than beingness. And as such, we cannot be touched. Children deserve the truth. Next, Emma has a question. Hi, Emma. <laughs> that was a bit of a tug of war. Um, I was actually transferring you to the kitchen uh, to make my morning smoothie. <laughs> and I pressed the button. I'm so sorry. So um, I feel like I've been transferred, Emma. Fair enough. It's uh, quite funny that you are talking about grief today. I felt a lot of grief yesterday. Um. I don't pick the subjects, Emma. The, uh, the, the uh, people who help uh, run the webinars pick the questions. I, I just answer the questions if I can, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I appreciate your time. The subject of grief is a, a reasonably good one because it, everyone can relate to it. Mm -hmm. How are you today? Um, sitting much, much gently, much, sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm bubbling. Um, I'm really just trying to hold space, but there's lots, lots coming up. So you let it come up, Don. Don't try to hold it down. Just let whatever's there to be there. Practice, practice, practice. Well, it's only now, really. And what's there at the moment sounds like it could be a little bit of sadness for you. Yeah. Hmm. It's just part of the tapestry. It's it's there, but there's also everything around you is also there, and in front of you there's a screen that's talking to you. That's there too. Thing is, with uh, any kind of um, emotion, if we focus on it, we become it. It's like we're aware of where we our awareness to live. You know, mm -hmm. and so you're feeling some pain. But that can be just part of the whole tapestry of your life. It doesn't have to be the totality of your life. Of course. Mm. Thank you. Nice to talk to you, even if it was by mistake, Emma. <laughs> As always. <laughs> Thank you. There are no mistakes. Perfection upon perfection upon perfection. The next question is, 
How do I accept the nature of impermanence? Don't. <laughs> no one's going to force you. Don't, don't accept it. See where that takes you. The next question is, would I suffer less grief if I was detached from everything? Yes, you would. Uh, I'm detached from everything. And uh, as a result, there's not much happening. As a matter of fact, there's practically nothing happening most of the time. People think there's something happening a lot of the time because they're in their dreams, they're thinking. But most of the time, there's nothing happening. Being detached from having a detached space from the mind, that silent witness, uh, affords you the distance from your emotions to not get caught in them. So being detached is really beautiful. Just watching, witnessing, it's quite sweet. So uh, you don't get caught in the mind that way. And spiritual practice uh, brings about a level of detachment, the meditation, uh, openness, self-inquiry allows you to sit basically in a detached space. So you see everything happening, but you're not involved. And uh, with uh, that, having that silent witness, after a while, the mind quiets down anyway. It just settles down because it's not, um, not really being entertained anymore. So being detached is pretty cool. Does being present to grief help in the experience of healing the wounds of the heart? Well, sometimes uh, repressed emotionality, repressed grief is considered a wound of the heart. And so, because it's just terminology. And so when we become willing to feel it, we, we've become, uh, we've enabled the healing until we're actually willing to feel it, until we stop running away from it and finding ways to avoid it through distraction. Uh, well, we don't heal anything. It just stays there. And maybe it goes a little deeper and we don't feel it and it gets triggered by something again. And there it is again, because we haven't healed it. It is not really our nature to heal wounding. It is our nature to uh, chase pleasure and comfort and avoid pain. This is our primal nature. And so people who actually have healed their wounding have gone against the primal survival mechanism and made it okay to feel. And these people have healed the wounds of their heart because they're willing to feel the wounds of their heart. It's uncomfortable to heal a wound because quite often in wounding, there's helplessness and hopelessness, not just pain. And it's the helplessness and hopelessness that we quite often want to avoid because it runs against our survival mechanism to feel hopeless and helpless. But if we're willing to feel, we can heal. And that's only going to be done by you. Nobody can do it for you. Only you can do that. Only you can facilitate that. Next, Kalimba would like to ask a question. Hi, dear friend. Hi, Kalimba. Um, this topic today triggered something for me that I thought I dealt with. I 
<coughs> Sorry, I actually accidentally ran over my puppy Huckleberry eight years ago, mm. and I cried and cried and cried, and then it seemed to go away, and then it cried and cried, and it seemed to go away, and then just today when the topic <coughs> came up again, it just all started, and I don't repress it, I allow it, as you can tell, I allow it to happen, but there's a sadness of losing my dog that I'd had for 13 years and accompanying it is to the guilt that my lack of awareness because I, I didn't see where he'd gone and he'd run in front of the car and and it's like accepting it but it seems strange that it's triggered again <laughs> when, when I thought I'd dealt with it all. No, you didn't deal with it because you're still blaming yourself, Limper. There's still a story of blame in there. So you haven't finished your business. You haven't moved to, you may have moved to acceptance of the loss, but you haven't moved to acceptance of yourself for running the dog over. So can you give me any advice on how to totally, totally accept this one? I mean, I don't mind the grief. It's, it sort of sounds like sadness, but it also feels really lovely. Which sounds weird, I know. I can, t I can give you advice on that. First of all, you must have uh, some negative motive inside of you that beats you up when you get things wrong. But one of the ways around that is imagine a young person in your life, someone young you are really fond of, and imagine if they had actually run over this dog and they were feeling really bad about it and beating themselves up. What would you say then? Yeah, you just want to be there and support them and love them and help them through it. And that's how you need to be with you, my friend. Yep. You need to forgive yourself for running over the dog because as long as you hold yourself in contempt over it, the story is never going to end and the grief is never going to end. Well, I, I don't sort of hold myself in contempt over it. I just feel... So much, so much sadness because if I'd been more aware in that moment, but as you say, that's the bit history. <laughs> yeah, no, no. If you were more aware, you're blaming. Yeah. Really. yeah, you are holding yourself in contempt. Yep. Yeah. The blame. The blame. That's as soon as you were telling the story, I could hear the blame, and you were asking why you're coming back. That's why because you're still blaming you. You. Yep. You've accepted the loss of the dog, but you haven't accepted your role in that loss. Yep. Okay, well, I'm going to let that let that in and just accept, accept, accept. And Thank you so much. Love Kalimba and accept Kalimba and, and see that we're all so human. We're also, we make mistakes. We get things wrong, but somehow you're not, you're not allowing yourself to be the one that makes the mistake. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you don't just talk the talk, you walk it. Because when you were sharing about Jared, it was like I could just feel your total acceptance. So thank you for, thank you for sharing both of those things, mate. Thank you, Kalimba. The next question is from Satya. Hi, Satya. Hello, Islam. My question is regarding why people of, uh, with uh, uh, heart 
uh, they have to suffer a lot. Is is it just because of their uh, consciousness level uh, or something else? I think everyone suffers a lot, Sasha. I don't think it's just people uh, who have heart. As a matter of fact, people who have heart probably suffer less than people who don't. Um, because if we have heart and we have love in our life, love is the great healer. People who are really closed and who don't have much love in their life still suffer a great deal because they all, we all suffer loss. Everything goes wrong. They don't, they don't have that nourishment of love in their lives. So everybody suffers. You know, the, the Buddha stated that life is dissatisfying or life is suffering. I agree. I didn't, I didn't when I first heard it, but I agree. Every desire we have for things to be different than how we, they are is dissatisfaction. It's a form of suffering. And so everybody suffers, mate. Not, not just people who have heart. I think people who don't have heart probably suffer more. Uh, okay, Vishran. But uh, is it uh, consciousness level uh, planning part in this? Yes, it does. If your consciousness levels are high enough, you realize that the the doorway out of grief is uh, acceptance and you practice it. You also realize that present moment awareness to what is real is of great benefit to everybody and living in dream is not. But that is higher consciousness again. In lower consciousness, people dream on. In lower consciousness, people don't accept life. They just fight the whole way through. But in higher consciousness, we see enough to not get caught, to actually accept life as it is, to be present to reality rather than present to dream. This is what higher consciousness affords us. It affords us freedom from most of the suffering because we don't get caught in it, because we can see it. Okay, Vistran. Thank you, Vistran. Always good to talk to you, Sachin. The next question is, how do you heal the loss of loved ones? Acceptance. It's like you're wanting a, you're wanting a fix-it band-aid. There's no fix-it band-aid. Acceptance is the only answer that works. There is no other answer. If you're not willing to practice acceptance, well, you're just going to go round and round the merry-go-round with the grief cycle, from denial to bargaining to depression to anger. The only way out of that grief cycle is acceptance. And that's going to be up to you because you're the only one that can do it. So it's not even about healing. It's about accepting. Really is about accepting. The next question is, I don't like emotionally painful situations. I never have. How do I change that attitude towards pain? <laughs> I don't like emotionally painful situations. Show me who does. <laughs> who likes painful emotional situations but one of the interesting things to look at is who is responsible for that who is responsible for your painful emotional situation who who creates that pain 
who's responsible, and how is that pain created? These are questions the seeker asks. Why is it so? You see, nobody can make you feel, but you, you are totally responsible. Become conscious enough to see that, and then you actually have some degree of control over whether you react or whether you respond. This is higher consciousness. And this is what satsang is about. Higher consciousness and then super consciousness. Knowing yourself is true. You're responsible for you. You create your pain, not the world. Have a look and see. Heather would like to ask a question. Hi, Heather. Hi, Vishrant. Where are you at the moment, Heather? What state? I'm in Victoria. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah. I got here just before all of the um, shutdown started. So you'd be in lockdown right now? Yep, well and truly. Six weeks of lockdown. <laughs> it's not fun, but... Yeah, right. Day I by day. Severe lockdown as well, uh, you're not allowed to have guests over. You're allowed to only be in the company of one other person when you go out. You're not allowed to roam. Oh, that's only for exercise. For shopping, it's supposed to be one at a time, but we've um, got an exemption because of health problems. And you're not allowed to wander for more than five kilometres from your house? Nope. Not, we've got um, a curfew from 8pm till 5am. That means you can't go out from 8pm to 5pm? Nope. Wow. That's... <laughs> So yeah, it feels, feels interesting, but... Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm glad that we haven't got anything as interesting over here. Uh, yes. <laughs> I, I must admit, I much prefer being over there if I could be, but... Ah, uh, well, it is what it is. That's, that's, that, and that's the correct attitude. It is what it is. You accept it and it's, it's okay. It's the non-acceptance that causes all the problems. Yeah, I do have times where I struggle with it a bit, but... Usually it's daylight, it's night time, it's whichever day it is. So, but my question for this one is an interesting topic today because it just so happens that today is the sixth anniversary of my husband's death. Ah. And I was just curious because I've got a physio appointment this afternoon and when I uh, made the appointment, when the physio told me the date, I just suddenly went, oh, yeah, that happens to be that anniversary. It didn't bother me at all. And she got really guilty about it. Even though I told her I was fine with it, she seemed to have guilt and, and worry about it. I was just wondering, why do other people have it if you're in acceptance of it yourself? Well, a lot of people aren't in acceptance of loss. They aren't, so they'd never get there. So when someone else is going through major loss, because they're not in acceptance of their own losses, it touches them. It, it brings it up in them, the things that they haven't finished with yet. You see, if we've truly finished with the, our losses, with our grief, we're not going to be so strongly affected by others' losses and grief. But if we haven't finished with our own, it's going to touch on that wounding that was never, ever healed. Yeah, that makes sense. As I say, it just when I reassured her that I was fine with it and everything like that, she still sort of seemed like she was not sure that she should make the appointment today and that sort of thing. And it was just puzzling to me. 
Well, I think she's talking completely from her own story rather than actually about you. It, it's all about her, not about you. Yep, that makes a bit more sense. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever you do when you get in there, don't deliberately break down and cry. You, you're, <laughs> you're, you're too much. <laughs> no, no, she's a lovely lady, so I don't think I'd do anything like that to her. You know, Heather, it's lovely to have a sense of humour with you. And one of the ways to get through grief is to actually have a sense of humour because it breaks our mind patterns. It sets us free to some degree. Yeah, fair enough. So it's good to have a laugh with you, Dar. <laughs> it's nice to have a laugh with you too, Bishret. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Heather. The next question is, Sometimes I feel like my grief isn't justified because I created the loss in the first place. Is grieving something which was a choice to let go of being a victim of self? Wow, that really did my head in. <laughs> I'll read that question, see if I can make head or tail of it. Sometimes I feel like grief isn't justified because I created the loss in the first place. Well, loss is loss. Is grieving something which was a choice to let go of being a victim of self? I have no idea. Well, my mind does not want to wrap itself around that question. And so I'm going to let it go. <laughs> the next question is, is healing grief a choice? Heck yeah. It's a choice because we can continue to be in denial. We continue to be in bargaining. We can continue to be angry. We can continue to be uh, depressed and sad, or we can choose to start accepting what is. And so there's definitely a choice there, but people don't often take that choice first. They have to suffer a bit first, but, if we really, really examine the losses in our life from the past, the ones that we were completely over, it's because we're in total acceptance of. It is the only real solid doorway out of grief. And it's up to you because you're the one that's going to be running the stories. Surrounding yourself with people who are going to help continue running the stories is not such a good idea either uh, so when I'm with people who are suffering grief I I'll listen to them and I'll hear them and I'll sympathize with them empathize with them but I won't really go too far into the story with them unless they're going into the story because it's the story that keeps the grief going when we can accept what has happened fully, it is over. The next question is, is grief linked to victimhood? Can be. People can become victims of, of loss, absolutely. And there's another story. Uh, and that's a story where we get to stab ourselves a little bit every time we run it. 
something bad has happened, we've lost something, and then we run the story over and over and over again and be a victim of that loss, well, heck, we're building up a nice big pain body for ourselves every time we do that. So we lost something once, and now how many times have we lost it? How many times have we run that story? Being a victim of anything is a dangerous thing to do because it creates wounding. It doesn't make us happy and it actually doesn't change anything. As you become more conscious, you don't do that. You don't get caught in being a victim because you see what it does. You see the results of being a victim and they're not good. Best become more conscious. How do we know if we're healing wounding or just creating more through being a victim? Well, if you're being a victim, you're definitely creating more. <clears throat> How do we know if we're dealing with the purification and output of grief in a healthy way? You mean like not going out into the streets with baseball bats and smashing people's windows? Like what happens during riots because people are in grief? Yeah, that's a pretty unhealthy way to deal with grief. Getting violent over it, expressing that violence on people's property and people, that's pretty unhealthy way to try to uh, purify grief. Feeling it is the way we heal grief, not acting out in violence. Violence and anger are just defense systems to stop us from feeling what's underneath. Allowing ourselves to feel the pain of loss, and that can be in a tear. That's what works. And so that's healthy. Going out and smashing other people's property or being violent to other people, that's not healthy. That's unhealthy. That's a sign of ill health. Mental, men, mental problems occurring, not health. Health is just, you feel it, you might cry, you allow yourself to feel it. That's what works, that's healthy. The next question is, how do we know when we have reached the end of grief of emotional wounds around being abandoned as a child? <laughs> around being abandoned as a child? Well, wait till you're abandoned again and see what happens. And the, the beauty of that is it will happen again because human nature is to abandon. Human nature is to reject. So you get this opportunity to discover whether you're still wounded or not. As, as to how much load there is when someone abandons you or rejects you. It's a wonderful world we live in. It gives us many opportunities to feel everything if we're in it. It also gives us every opportunity to heal those things if we're willing to feel them. How to tell if you're experiencing real grief and not just a mind made a kind of emotional reaction to something negative that has happened? 
I don't really know the answer to that question. People can imagine all sorts of things. We're, we have an amazing ability to imagine and live in that dream and think somehow it's real. And this is where discernment comes to play. What is real? What is not real? Here's a tip. Everything you think is not real. The next question is, I lost a friend two years ago and it seems that grief hits me by waves. Does all grief ultimately heal with time and patience? That has been my experience, yes. Uh, though there need, does need to be a totality of acceptance. Just earlier we were talking, we were hearing from Kalimba and he was talking about the grief that he has over a dog that uh, he accidentally ran over many years before. And he was wondering why the grief kept coming back. Well, it's because he hadn't finished all his business with that. He wasn't in total acceptance of himself in the action. And so the acceptance needs to be on all parts, everything. The acceptance of your role in it, your acceptance of whatever's been lost, and your acceptance of everyone else that's involved in that loss. And when we hit total acceptance, it is over. But if we haven't done that, if we're still holding on to stories, well, we haven't got closure. It hasn't finished yet. Next, Emma would like to ask a question. Oh. Hello. Sorry, we seem to have a technical glitch. Um, the next question is, how do you know if you're at peace with something or if you're just not feeling anything or dissociating? Well, if you're dis disassociating and you're not awake, there's a chance that you have some kind of um, mental disorder, which could be, might be good to have it looked into. One of the things about waking up or enlightenment is you become disassociated with the mind because you know yourself as being this. But if that happens before awakening, it could be some kind of illness that needs to be uh, looked at. Being disassociated is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, it, it can be caused by um, certain mental conditions that need uh, addressing. So the question was, how do you know if you are at peace with something or if you're just not feeling anything, disassociating. It's very difficult, isn't it, really? Because if you're disassociated, you're not going to feel much. But then again, you might need to have a look at, hey, why are you disassociated? What's actually going on? This is why professional help can be of great aid. Someone who actually can say, hey, this is what's happening for you, and this is why, and this is how you can fix it. Peace is something that comes as a result of knowing yourself as true. It's very hard to find peace in the mind because the mind is not peaceful. It is a desiring machine that is constantly wanting things to be different than how they are. It's also a machine that gets attached to everything that it values. And when those things are threatened or even the fear of the threat happens, it contracts and goes into resistance. 
There's no freedom in that. There's no freedom in the mind. There's no peace in the mind. You want to find peace, you find your true nature, beingness. And then there is nothing but shanti, shanti, shanti. Peace, peace, peace. But that's up to you. The whole, the whole thing about higher consciousness is going high enough to start to know yourself as truth. In truth, there is peace. In the mind, there is not. The next question is, I've never been able to cry since I was a child. How do I heal my sadness? Oh, if you can't cry, you can't cry. I was programmed as a child not to cry. I remember quite clearly when I was about eight or nine years old, falling over on the gravel road and scraping my knees and some dear old auntie of mine telling me, little soldiers don't cry. <laughs> and I, I got brought up to believe that, that boys and men shouldn't cry. So it was difficult for me to uh, cry. Uh, but I found that I could after a while because I allowed myself to. I allowed myself to feel and I allowed myself to cry. I let it happen. But it took quite a while. It took a few years, actually. We've all been programmed in different ways. If you can't cry, you've been programmed for some reason not to. But as adults, we can change our programming if we want. Allow yourself to feel. Watch some sad movies by yourself. See if you can't find a way to let those tears flow. But it's not the only way to heal anyway. All you've got to do is feel your wounding to heal it. You don't have to cry. Just crying is very beautiful. It's uh, nature's way of letting out the pain. But it's not the only way. We can just feel it. That'll work. You don't have to cry to heal. Kalimba has a question. Hi, Kalimba. Hi, Miss Rand. It's amazing the things that come up when we have a topic like this. I shared a flat in London oh, 50 odd years ago with a Canadian guy, and he wrote this poem, which is so pertinent, very short, and I always remember it. It's called Rain, and it goes, I have forgotten how to cry, but the sky remembers and sends the healing tears that experience and years have taught me to hide. The sky and I have an agreement about pain, and I love rain. Wow. Thank you very much, Kalimba. That's a pleasure, mate. Thank you. On that note, Kalimba, thank you for satsang. Good to see you brave hearts here today. <laughs>